You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back to episode 127 of Arsenal Pass. Hayden Dale here with Brendan Patrick. Brendan, as always, how's it going? Very good. Very good, Hayden. Getting more excited as we see more bright light spoilers. Some pretty spicy ones coming out. Uh, there was a, you know, honestly, a bit of an, uh, the tome came out. It looks powerful, but yeah, I don't know. Can you play a no block card in your deck that just draws two cards and is effectively a blue and lets you tumble tire and turn zero? I just, I, it doesn't make the cut for me, Hayden. Well, let's find out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are talking bright lights in the spot. Speaking of, we are. End of national season. National season has just wrapped up this past weekend. We are heading very speedily towards bright lights and boosting our way towards the end of this month, towards the pre-release. And for this pod, we bring on a guest. We've got Australian national champion, Sam Sutherland. He's also the Auckland calling champion. And uh, earlier this year, also top-aided Singapore. All three in the same year with the same deck. He is a dash main. He is a mechanologist player. And we wanted to bring Sam on to get the perspective of, of a mech main as we head towards bright lights to hear all things from why you should play mechanologist what are the things you should you know be looking to to do or where to start if you want to play mechanologist for potentially bright lights or maybe even dash sort of tickles your fancy we talk about cards and bright lights things that are exciting us and uh yeah all just things mechanologist and bright lights as we head towards this pre-release weekend coming up literally in two weeks time brennan it's crazy to think hayden that's crazy to think it's coming up fast uh Week in Flesh and Blood, I guess. What have, what have you been up to this week? Played any any Flesh and Blood or? I've or honestly, not? I've honestly been on a deep dive uh, for Larkana. I mean, there's not really too many reasons for me to be playing Flesh and Blood until we get more spoilers. We can start trying to break the deck um, in preparation for the Calling Dallas and, of course, the World Championships. But <clears throat> yeah, I went on a deep dive with Larkana. Const- um, I think we talked about some of the pot already. Constructed really good um seal or starter decks not good and it has been scalped into literal oblivion like oh it's scalped into the level where it is like <clears throat> there's local game stores near me selling boxes for 400 dollars. like you are a crook if you do that like if you're a local game store selling for 4x msrp it's just crazy bro yeah that's what's sad you're weak um yeah well, i was gonna say i mean no law counter available in australia as far as i'm aware just yet but <laughs> yeah not the us either <laughs> <laughs> not in any country apparently um week's been pretty good i've had a very busy work week and i've definitely taken a little bit of a step back from flesh blood as we head towards bright lights although in saying that uh i recorded a draw my mirror that's going to go up on the channel we're doing a, a bit of a new series which is, is coming to us in the past we're going to try it out see how we go where i guess call it kind of masterclass series we're going to take a deck that that we know well we're going to um, pair it up with a, a matchup that people want to see and we're just going to go through like how to kind of navigate that matchup and share all the tips and tricks so the first one's going up this week it's a draw my vs draw my mirror one of my favorite matchups right now so i also just enjoyed making this uh this video other than that i played a i played a locals on thursday um which was was good it was fun it was nice to, to play play a locals i haven't been able to do that as much recently but kind of taking a step back from from flesh and blood i guess testing wise was enabled me to do that and then yeah the kind of next couple of weeks is probably going to be a little bit flesh and blood light for me as we just kind of take a bit of a breath before bright lights which i'm i'm honestly looking forward to um yeah preview season is about to start though so well i guess we've already seen some previews but the full preview season starts next weekend we have that three-day kind of preview window again so we'll see yeah we haven't we um we haven't got, we haven't a, got a card. Spoilers. 
if we get one if we are getting one yeah i don't honestly they can pass us up this time we're good we're good you know after chains and mephetis you know we peaked we we peaked speak for yourself scaling (laughs) flashback and if someone opened the gold foil they're trying to sell for a a lot of money yeah someone actually messaged me and they're like oh there's gold foil scaling flashback you are you gonna try and buy one i was like no (laughs) no um although i do love that card it's great but i will not be trying to buy a gold foil uh if anyone's in the market for gold foils though i can help you <laughs> hit <out>. me up let's <laughs> go one cross wrap um briefly news not too much to talk about this week i mean the, the kind of big news is that we've we've wrapped up nationals uh for 2023 so massive congratulations to all the nationals and newly crowned national champions or returning national champions across the globe there's definitely been multiple uh two-time national champions crowned over this past weekend uh i know shout out to uh gordon in singapore i uh, went back to back which is amazing uh, i know as well and i think portugal has a, has a back-to-back champion as well as well as some other countries having uh, multiple time national champions so congrats um we've got some i guess i've already said about the drama gameplay we've also got some deck techs that are up on the arsenal pass channel we've got a kano deck tech that's just gone up with brendan and peter uh for the deck they played at us nationals spice in there as well definitely check it out and then as well we have the draw my uh deck tech and both these decks have full cyber guides up on the patreon which you can check out if you do want to get you know cyber plans how to play intercedent matchups uh all that jazz is up there on patreon i know Brendan, anything to add in the news or anything you want <laughs> nothing anything to add you want. nothing to add to the news i i do want to ask you though are you gonna buy? Are you going to buy the roundtable product if they're if it is reprinted? If you know key key cards are reprinted in in bright lights, is that a product do you think you're gonna consume? So I have two things. Okay. When it comes to the roundtable, one I will buy the roundtable because I want access to this product to introduce my friends to the game. I've mm-hmm. I think I said this on the pod last week. Uh, the dual battle thing, whatever it's called, <laughs> I have not been using that to show my friends flesh and blood mm, uh, and i think the battles. Ira- mm. classic battles um and i think the irodex uh in all honesty a little bit outdated for bringing people into the game because uh things like equipment are just so important i think it's fine if you want to like just to, hey this is kind of a basic concept of the game play two kind of ira games with me um but also i'm definitely going to demolish you if we do that oh, so yeah, it's d- not even don't. close yeah it's like you're literally <laughs> signing them up for 3d chess and they're like okay so i pitch my i put an arsenal you're like yeah i put it in arsenal see what happens <laughs> <laughs> and they're playing checkers over here yeah exactly um so that's that's one thing i want roundtable for that purpose to to bring to my friends and introduce uh, more people to the game i actually think this product i hard to say at this point but it looks like a product i think it's gonna be better for that also i would if two friends like hey, i want to play i'm like cool we'll just play multiplayer you know what i mean um then the second is that there's some cards in this that i want particularly like the guardian boots mm-hmm. the red bittering thorns etc so and i mean i don't think those cards in particular are going to be reprinted in bright lights i think a lot of the mech cards we might see but the competitive cards i think are actually not the mech cards anyway um sam kind of talks about it on the main topic but the the they're maybe more upf focus whereas things like the guardian boots um the red bittering thorns those are competitive cards that i want to have access to so there's kind of two reasons for me that i'm definitely going to buy into into this product um but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it i mean that comes out literally that's the weekend before right so that comes out in two and a bit weeks as well mm-hmm what about you Ivan? <laughs> no <laughs> no um i don't think so right I, at this point it's weird because i didn't come from magic or actually any other card game and the amount of shit that i've accumulated over the past three years hayden is it is 
I feel like I am owned by it in a way. Like I have so mm. many bulk cards sitting in so many boxes next to so many cases that fill up my entire closet plus re- the rest of my small uh, living accommodations that, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not buying that product, I don't think. Um, in terms of like introductory materials and playing with friends, I usually use the Irodex, to be honest, and most of my friends don't get past the Irodex. It's probably a fault with the Irodex, but uh, yeah, they definitely are a bit punishing. Stop and body slamming <laughs> them with Irodex. <laughs> it's like, oh God, it's just, it's, it's just too easy, Hayden. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. And... Yeah, I don't know. I just I think I'm a singles I'm a singles I'm a singles guy all the way now, and even might be to the extent where it's like I might just be trying to rent some of these cards at these events because I just have too many cards. And I have way too many cards. It's ridiculous. You have too many cards. You should see my place. I am actually I'm about to do the the yearly um, move. Oh God! Ridiculous. Oh my goodness! I'm so sick of moving, but I have to move uh, very soon. And I literally have. I'm trying to clear out. I'm going to start to clear out some bulk because I have like a wardrobe full of cards at this point, which is just ridiculous. Um, I've been sorting through stuff, so I, I feel you. But I, I want this product regardless, and I think the box looks cool as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, no Commander Cookout question this week because we have a great main topic pod with Sam where we pepper him with a lot of questions. So, uh, he's our Commander Cookout this week. If you do want your questions in for the Commander Cookout, though, you can definitely do so. We have some spots opening up over the next few months before the end of the year for some questions. So if you want to get them in, you can uh, drop them in the YouTube comments below. Let us know that it is a Commander Cookout question. You can email us at arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. Tweet at us, DM us on X if you want to. Uh, or if you're a Patreon, uh, we do have a Patreon channel on the Arsenal Pass Discord that you can uh, drop your questions into, uh, which is a, a generally popular way to drop questions in. So yeah. Get your questions in, and uh, we will we will do our best to get them on the show and answer them. That said, Brendan, I think it's time to uh, to move on. All right, and for the main topic of the pod, we are joined by current Australian national champion and Auckland calling champion Sam Sutherland. Sam, welcome to the show. Great to have you on the pod. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we actually played our first game of Flesh and Blood together uh, two weekends ago at Nationals. We I sat down against you. I think it was our it was a win-in round for Nationals Top Eight, and I said, "Have we played before?" And you're like, "No, we definitely haven't played nope. before." And then you proceeded to to, to beat me and, and uh, clinch your Top Eight. So um, maybe just for anyone who who doesn't know you, I did introduce you a little bit. But uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and tell Arsenal Pass listeners about about yourself, Sam? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm a Flesh and Blood player from Melbourne um essentially at this point i'm just the dash guy from australia like i have been to auckland singapore baltimore had varying results um through all those things um but now i'm just like huge dash main only play dash pretty much at this point um and yeah i just just love playing flesh and blood yeah and uh i was gonna ask you i know I mean, you've been on a tear this year. I just want to point that out before before we get into it. I was talking to Brendan about this when I said I want to bring on Sam. You know, you've you've won Australian Nationals. You won the calling back in Auckland in, in Feb this year. You top eight in Singapore, where we were both at. Um, I know you you went to Baltimore and you 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 started on having a really good run in Baltimore as well, right? Is that right? Are you day two in Baltimore? Yeah, um, I didn't day two. Um, I I won one first round against Dromai, which I think is one of my hardest matchups, and then just did not get what I needed for the rest of the day. Um, yeah. Played into Katsu, um, lost the die roll, it was over, and then played into a Lexi round four, and I literally punted the game. Like, I had lethal on board, and then I'm just like, 
yeah, I'll crown away this card. I don't need it. And then I draw a yellow instead of a blue. I'm like, oh, I did need that. Did and then just, then just lost. Um, and then proceeded to force Benji because I like Benji in the draft and went one, two. And it was just over from there. Uh, well, good news for you. We've got a fully Mechanologist set coming up, which we're, we're going to talk about on the uh, mm. show. So maybe that'll, you know, ignite your uh, spark for for Limited. Um, although oh, I know, yeah. did you 6-0 at Nationals anyway in Limited? So I, I mean, did, yes. Doesn't much help. It, yeah, it was, it was pretty hectic actually because like we came up like the Wednesday before and we're just like grinding drafts like Heard. day after day. Um, it was really good stuff. And I think I played every hero except levier in those draft rounds um but yeah at nationals i just had the the sort of inclination to play prism because i'm like i've played prism a lot in draft i know i mean if you're in the right seat it's just a great deck right um and so uh first first pod uh first pack i'm like oh I'll, i'll just take this red spears pretty good um no one's cut me for the people to my right and like cool this is good um next pack same thing no one's cut me um i'm good turns out the 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 other prism is on the other side of the pod um one of my roommates from the room we're staying in and then i've just proceed to play into three separate people who are all staying in the same room as us (laughs) in that in that whole draft pod and then yeah just got what i needed i mean same thing like Turn zero red prismatic shield going second is hmm. stupid. Like I heard it's that's stupid. Strong play actually. Yeah, both <laughs> my losses in draft were from that. So thanks for bringing that up, Sam. So, so yeah, it's me. it's just cursed. Um, <laughs> and then the next pod was even worse. It was um, were you first double pack. Red prismatic? No, no. So first pack I open, I see the rare slots, and we've got Arclight and Parable. And then in the the common slots for Prism, we have like red protection, red war tune or something stupid. So I'm like, damn, I'm never going to cut this this signal off. So I just take the arc light because I think that's really good in draft. Um, when the pack comes back to me, uh, there's two of the red heralds have gone, but the parable wield. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just take that and just build like a nutty aura deck. Turns out I was the one of one Prism. What? <laughs> yeah like what what do you even do to that like i i don't even know what to say about my own drafting skills at this point because i just got <laughs> the one of one prism seat like what 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 are you supposed to do i don't think i've heard about a one of one prism seat in like any draft actually so um you, yeah you, you took an achievement for that one took an yeah, achievement. it was pretty crazy i want to ask about dash to start off with learn more but 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 more about you why why dash why is it that you are the dash guy why is it that you've kind of mained dash for i mean i i've never seen you personally play another deck so why yeah. what is it that's so special about dash for you um the reason i like dash is because of really how flexible it is you have these two super polarizing like super differing game plans i should say um and one you would play into the more slower matchups and one you would play into the faster matchups. And I mean, everyone knows this, you boost um, into super aggressive matchups, burn your whole deck away, but deal enough damage to kill them before the end of the game. And then same thing against the sort of slower guardian matchups, you are just blocking out, setting up your items and then killing them at the end of the game with all the blues that you pitched earlier in the game. 
And I just really liked that, um, both for just to experience both of those game plans and test my skills in both of those ways, but also because over the course of a long tournament, like you're going to have a lot of matches that go super quickly. So you have that time to just step away from the game, chill out, chat with your friends, etc., and then go back into it. But every once in a while, you have that really long grindy game and if every match of the of the um, tournament is a super long grindy game, it feels terrible. But if that just one sprinkled in there after every few rounds, it feels great because you really get to test your skills in that and then go back to Ooga Booga Boost and it's great. That was... Britain, wasn't that a theory in playing Briar at Lille except that we just all played Agro Mirrors and never got to play against an Ultim? <laughs> yes, well, I mean, you got to play Agro Mirrors. I got to play Le- Ice Lexi, which was not a popular deck back thing, and then Kano, which is just, I mean, fantastic. Now, day two, we got to play a lot of Agro Mirrors. But, um, so I want to ask you, did you, um, do you think that Dash is the best deck or were you choosing to play this deck and maybe make a suboptimal choice away from playing you know, what is loud is the best deck, Lexi, in order to be on a deck that you enjoy more and that you feel that you have more agency with? Or, con- you know, conversely, do you think that Dash is um, is the best deck in the format? Um, I don't think Dash is the best deck in the format as much as I like to say it. Um, the, the, the deck is, I mean, it's super flexible and... I, I do want to dispel the argument that um, I think you're making like a, a suboptimal choice by taking a deck that isn't the best deck. Um, I will I will perform better on a deck that I have played inside and out, day in, day out for eternity, essentially, um, than if I were to switch to Lexi, for example. I'm sure I could do reasonably well on Lexi, but I, I think this game really really reward specialists and there's no reason not to take the deck you're good at unless it is actively a bad choice in the meta which i think only applies to arachnian riptide at this stage like (laughs) every other deck you can pull off some stuff with it and there is not a huge reason not to be playing those if you're ultra ultra experienced on them is could you help shine some light on why Dash seems to be this deck that is never put at the top of tier lists or even in the second category usually? Maybe it sneaks up there. But then somehow continually just wins events, right? We talked about Pro Tour Baltimore. Uh, maybe didn't have the performance you were looking for there. But that the calling after Pro Tour Baltimore is won by Dash. You've seen multiple um, sort of good performances with the deck, now winning the national championship. What is it about Dash that allows it to be this dark horse that nobody respects and then randomly, I say randomly, but obviously not random, wins an entire tournament? It seems to be happening consistently. And even after one to two years of retrospection, looking at this same pattern reoccur, we still aren't talking about Dash in the way I believe we should be. If we were looking at it on raw data, what do you think about, what do you think it is about the stacks that allows it to do that and why it seems to be missed by the majority of the community? Um, I think it's very simple, actually. I think the deck is deceptively difficult to play. Um, the, the way you should play Dash into an aggressive matchup seems very straightforward. It's simply you're just going to be attacking a lot, lots of attacks on the chain, finish on a pistol. 
Um, but there's a lot more math involved than you can really give it credit for on first glance. Um, for example, choosing when to utilize Foundry Heart for that extra resource um, against a matchup like Phi, you you pretty much can just do that every turn. It doesn't matter. The game will not go long enough to the point where that matters. Against anything else, you should not be foundry hunting every turn, or at least aiming to be. Um, and the reason for that is if you run out of cards before you've dealt enough damage to kill the opponent, you will just lose. So you need to be mindful of your deck size while playing the game, which a lot of people won't really know how to value that really well. Um, because like two cards out of deck, for example, what does that equate to in terms of points of value in a tempo game? Like it means nothing on a first glance, but it's something that you need to be aware of. And it's something that you need to know will affect your long-term game plan depending on how much they're blocking. And so you need to be ensuring you understand how much damage you've dealt or leaked through their blocks over the course of their game. And if they're just taking everything, it's fine, just go for it. But you do have times when you need to slow down because they're just blocking more than realistically they either should be or maybe that's their game plan. Maybe they just want to block you out. And really clicking into what their game plan is from the start of the game is something that I've found early Dash players or new Dash players just don't understand. Um, you play into like a Rhyna and you just boost and then you lose because they um, blocked you for the whole game. And then the turn you gave them the off turn, they like smashed all your items because of Arg Smash. And it's like, oh, I guess I lost and dealt like eight damage over the course of the game. But at least I had tempo. How much do you value presenting your opponent with the question of what strategy you might implement in a, in a certain game? So Dash is able to sort of pivot to both the aggro and the longer term long game strategies. How, how much of an impact do you think that has on your opponent? Um, I think realistically in terms of the two super different game plans, your opponent should know what you are going to present into them. Um, there are not a whole lot of matchups where there's a middle ground. Um, there's a few, but realistically, if you're playing against a Guardian or an Assassin or Dorinthia, you're going to be presenting the Dirix, the Pistol Package, etc. And they should just know that's what your game plan is going to be. And conversely, against most of the other matchups, they should know that you are presenting the aggressive package. Otherwise, you're just not going to keep up with the damage they're outputting and so you'll just lose um that being said if you there, there are some decks where you should be playing control into them despite the general aggressive shell of that deck being um stronger for example charles dunn's us nats list like you would just lose if you tried to play aggressively into that because they'd block you out and the game would be over um so if I played that sort of deck in a Swiss round, I would get absolutely flattened by it. But if I did so in a top eight cut where with open deck lists, etc., I would absolutely flatten it. Like there are times when you, you can be caught off guard by that. And there are times when if your opponent isn't experienced enough, they can get, get caught out by you. Um, and this also happens with some of the, I don't want to say mid-range, 
because I don't really like the term mid-range, but like the, the sort of in-between matchups, um, something like Iceland or Odromai, where you're, you're not being super aggressive, like, but you are still being very able to boost, but also having a sort of slower game plan that doesn't involve the ultra full setup that you see into the sort of Guardian matches. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, um, at least from the top, a sort of historical age-old question now in Flesh and Blood that becomes more and more relevant, which is, is it better to be a jack-of-all-trades, so play every single hero, try to know them to, I guess, some Pareto level 80-20 proficiency, or is it better to hone in on a specific hero and truly specialize in it? You being on one end of that spectrum, what is your thoughts on the question itself? What do you think is a better strategy to implement when trying to see success at events in Flesh and Blood? Yeah, I, I see huge merit to both sides of things, right? Um, and I think what it mostly comes down to is time and commitment. Uh, I think that if you have a million hours each week and you're going to go to nine armories every week and play in between those armories for five hours testing, etc., you should play every deck in the format. Like, why not, right? You've got the time to do that. Um, as someone who plays a lot of armories, I probably could do that if I wanted to. But in the beginning, when I was just starting Flesh and Blood, I was always just playing the one deck. And what that meant for me personally was that I was able to figure out the game plans into every specific matchup uh, myself and doing that just at a relatively slow pace, right? Um, just working out every time I face them, uh, like let's say in Azuri, I need to work out how I need to beat Azuri. Every time I face an Azuri, I'm going to slightly alter my game plan, try and work out what works best in that into that matchup. And then at the end of the game, ask the opponent, hey, what did this feel like? How could I have done this better, et cetera, et cetera. And just taking the time to hone those game plans over time um, really rewarded me as a specialist. And I think that that is how a lot of flesh and blood players should be playing. I don't think there are a lot of people who can get the value out of playing a lot of different decks. Mm. And that's why I really feel like being a specialist in your class can be super rewarding. I mean, you see it a lot here in Australia with Farhad um, making finals with me and then Patrick Watt on Reinar taking out the PTI event the weekend before nationals. Like no one expects a Reinar and yet he's just so, so incredibly good at that deck. Um, there's no reason for him to play something else at this point. So yeah, I'm really of the belief that you at on default, I reckon you should be aiming to be a specialist in a class. Mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely counted to Pat before that I thought in certain meters where Reinar has been pretty poor, I would say, if he played a different deck, he would probably do very... He's a, he's a great player, just a great yeah, flesh and sure. blood player. So I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I agree. He's just like specialist in this hero and he like, you know, takes his Reinar out. He wins a PTI event. Pretty, pretty reasonable yep. meta for Reinar at times. And then other times I'm like, dude, I feel like you're hamstringing yourself here. I feel like you could be, you know, you're like making a, a harder go of it than, than if you just picked up uh, a different deck in this situation. But I yeah, kind of agree. I'm, yeah, I kind of yeah. agree. 
I I also kind of agree with that sentiment as well. Um, there have been times where I think he's also been able to do better on another deck. But I think Reinar fa- falls into the spot of... I think it is almost at the bottom of the the tiers of like where a deck should be. Like Riptide and Arachne uh just like the, the the bottom. Um and we, we have a an Arachne like main in our locals, Aiden. He's absolutely great, just incredible at that deck. But every time I pair into the, him, I'm just like, I'm sorry dude. And he's just like, ah, oh, screw you, man. Um and then I <laughs> I just set up my items and have blocked out and have 30 life and I'm like I'm sorry, but this is just how the deck plays. Um, yeah. But yeah, like those sorts of players could potentially do better in the current meta switching to Lexi or in any particular meta switching to to the best deck. But that being said, they have that sort of unique experience with their specific deck that no one else will have. And there'll be a time where that will come in handy for them and there'll be a meta where they'll be like oh arachne is the choice um yeah. that being said i can't see that happening that is that <laughs> <laughs> but there there will be a time for sure yeah mm-hmm. no i i think Bryn, we've we've kind of said before you know like we we fall somewhere in between that camp of like we we don't think that trying to learn every hero is really that reasonable like it's it's pretty difficult to do but you know potentially somewhere between kind of mastering one and mastering a couple uh has been kind of with landed and i know kind of the way that i've generally approached competitive seasons especially is to like come into a new meta or a, what's perceived to be a new meta maybe because of loving legend or because of a new set and then be like okay like what is the hero that i think has the best angle of attack and then like learn that hero like in, in depth and, and generally play that hero for for that season and potentially in, in different seasons as well if it's still going to continue to be you know a great hero or not be living legend or, or whatever it is so um yeah i i think like there's so much reward to mastering especially and i want to point this out especially a hero like dash i think where Mm. you have a spectrum of playable game plans like you can go from one of the best aggressive decks to one of the Mm. best control decks depending on what you you know what you put in your in your 80 cards so yeah i yeah which is yeah for sure a bit of a dichotomy to kano rich which which only has sort of the (laughs) the one game plan right because that's also a specialist deck and but it's not nearly as uh modular and dynamic as something is like dash right um it kind of just does its thing and if it's in a hostile environment it's pretty unlikely you'll see success with that deck You, you mentioned a few times um armories and going to locals sort of in the modern day of flesh and blood how would you say that contributes to your testing and your improvement as a player because i know a lot of players these days will opt to play more on talishar play more online um and just hearing from you talk hearing from you talk it sounds like you go to a lot of in-person events um local to you how does that contribute to to your uh, your growth as a player uh for me personally almost all of it i me attending armory armories is my training like i think that going out um having a good social night whilst also playing some good games of flesh and blood is is my way of getting better at the game and i mean at this point on dash bringing dash to an armory isn't going to give me a whole lot of good preparation just because i at this point know what i'm doing into every matchup that being said there's there's always things I can be ref- refining into particular matchups. Um, and a real example of this is Dromai. Like, the Dromai matchup, I feel, is one of the worst for Dash at the moment. It's it's just super difficult knowing 
when to value the dragons over the um, just dealing the damage, when to expect to see a popper and when not to. And sometimes you just get overwhelmed with that board state and managing to deal with all that whilst also dealing enough damage to kill the opponent whilst also ensuring you don't fatigue by setting up items and having that whole um, thing set up all from all knowing what while what you're doing it, it's just chaos um into that matchup and i've literally spent three months like trying to work out what i'm gonna do into the dromai matchup and it's just gonna keep getting worse with the new tome coming out i've played against it and i've seen it in play and i'm just like what why can you cast tomaltai off no blues like this is just not fair at this point um but yeah i going back to the question yeah going to armories is most of what my training i would say is um occasionally i jump on talishar and say hey looking for game against azuri say if i'm looking for um experience into the azuri matchup but otherwise it's just oh does anyone play this deck or i'm just going out to have a good time whilst also play some flesh and blood you have a pretty unique scene in melbourne where you're from where there's a particular uh, a couple of stores where like all the best players in your in your city are like turning up week in week out right like yeah you know an, an armory at least this is people people keep telling me it used to be auckland Brendan. now it's melbourne apparently is where <laughs> you know it's uh it's like a calling top eight so it's like uh, a yeah. calling in the uh, calling top eight in the u.s that that's what the old yeah. uh, nz armories used to be but i think that's that's like you know i think that community that you guys have built and you know this kind of like getting making people better and like i i think particularly within australia at least that's what i can use as my kind of reference point i think has propelled melbourne to be like the strongest players in in uh in australia and consistently putting up results at events i mean i think top eight of australian nationals was six players from melbourne and one from yeah. sydney and one from adelaide right so i think it just shows this kind of like this spirit of competition and this what you guys have created down there you know i think at an armory level is um something that people should you know if they want to build something similar should try and replicate yeah for sure and everyone down here it just just genuinely wants everyone else to get better um so you come I, come down for a pro quest um and it's like just just as difficult like i i've been to i don't know maybe a dozen pro quests and rtns over my time playing flesh and blood and i think i top aided three of them and never won any of them like i i've literally never won a pro quest or anything like that and it's like super just super difficult down here and that's just because everyone just wants everyone else to be doing incredibly well and everyone's just helping each other and it's it's great and that's why i think may, maybe it's different for me down here um with the armories and everything being really good practice and i've heard people saying oh armories aren't good practice for larger events but here it's that's just not the case and i think you sh if you're here you should be coming along and you'll also have a great time while you're there. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, since you're since working out. So, although I, I remember last time I came to Melbourne, I, I won that pro quest. So, I, I don't know. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't traveled in a while. Last time you came up here, you definitely saw I wasn't winning any pro quests. So, um, <laughs> yeah, neither was I though. <laughs> Bloody Nick. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about bright lights if we can let's move on obviously we've got a full mechanologist set coming up so this is in your wheelhouse you must be i yeah. saw your your video you put up uh when it was announced you were very excited i would say excited yep. was the the term i would use so i want to ask you first of all 
Let's start with the non-mech cards because we have this uh, we have this expansion slot that's being introduced with bright lights. What do you think of the non-mech previews so far, and the fact that a lot of them actually seem to interact with with what mechanologists looks like for the set? Yeah. Well, first off, have you seen the new one that dropped today? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know if I have. Is it the oh, oh it's the it's the Riptide one, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to talk about that one. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. I think it's so cool. Anyway, that's oh, yeah? that. Okay. Um, in terms of the new cards, uh, Wax Off, again, just hilarious. Um, I can't see it being used in play. I think it, you could make a really good ninja control deck that beats aggressive dash and nothing else, and that would be really funny. But outside of that, it's not... I don't think it's viable whatsoever. Um the brute one is interesting because it destroys items but it doesn't block meaning that into if you're playing reinar for example you would prefer just the card that destroys items and does block so you can block them out whereas if your game plan is to be aggressive then if you have a three for six that you're planning to play that also destroys items at the same time um playing that into an aggressive matchup that will also get value out of items being destroyed. Um, I can see that working. That being said, I can't see it seeing play because it only is used against Dash and I think Brute into Dash, I mean, specifically Reinar into Dash is quite favored anyway. Um, the the other one, I mean, I just spoke about it, Tome. I'm not sure what it's called, but the, the new Tome, which is just Imperial nuts. Flame. Yeah, it's... It's a blue, but it's a red, and it gives you two ash. Like, you, you play it, um, and then you put two red cards in your pitch zone, and you've lost one card total from your hand. This is assuming you're royal. Um, and you've just generated two ash. You have two resources, which you can turn into three with flame scale immediately. Like, I, I just don't understand it. Like, how, how do you just make a red that's a blue? I, yeah, it's, it's so cracked. I, yeah. Maybe they're just trying to make sure that everyone who, you know, it's funny that people just refer to this immediately as a Dromai card. Don't even talk about five, but it's like, <laughs> well, now all the Dromais are going to be royal. So, you know, Regicide yeah, well, buff is huge. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't see it as a fire card at no, all. Either. No. That, that being said, it is an Emperor card. Block three cards, it is. play this, two cards in then Furnace, one card CNZ. It's crazy. Definitely um, an Emperor card. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, not to discount what it's going to do in Dromai. Just free ash everywhere. It's crazy. Um, the the other one, um, the what's it called? Already dead. Um, I'm sure we're, some, some people are going to be picking up Japanese copies of this card for sure. Um, but anyway, I think it is going to be super interesting into how it plays into Teklovossen because banishing those um those evos from previous chain links or the current chain link is gonna be very difficult to deal with sometimes um outside of that just banishing equipment as a whole is like pretty a pretty interesting thought and like part of part of where the whole tomaltai should be banned thing comes from like uninteractable equipment destruction mm -hmm. is a really powerful thing in this game and it, while it's not interactable per se it, it you can get blown out by it at some points if you blocked with your foundry heart on a previous chain link or something like that um 
So yeah, I see that card being played as a three of an Azuri and maybe in Arachne as well. I but yeah, that's that's a deck you don't really have to think about at the moment. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not holding my breath, but I would like to see it. Let's hold fair. it something. Brendan, we, we haven't touched on some of the, the new preview cards in a couple of weeks. Any any of you thoughts that you've had since you've seen cards like Imperial Flame, um, Intoxicating Shot, for instance, maybe Shriek Raises, these cards? Honestly, I think that the Tome is just the most interesting one by far. And I don't know. Mm, for sure. Maybe it is just overly imbalanced. <laughs> That's why it's the most interesting. It just doesn't seem... I don't know. It just doesn't really... It definitely stirs up a lot of conversation on Twitter in terms of like what should and shouldn't be allowed at Jermai, but does seem very powerful in that deck. And that deck is already, I mean, it's a very, Jermai is very, very powerful. And especially if we see, yeah. you know, some of these other heroes start to rotate out later, Jermai could definitely be a force to be reckoned with. And you, like you said, not great for you with um, Jermai already being one of your hardest matchups as well. Yep. What about, uh, let's take a, a bit of a step back, I guess, just in total. The things we've seen from Mix so far, like what's your kind of thoughts and feelings? You know, are you thinking about new directions for Dash? Are you thinking about you know what Teclavosin might be? You know, what is your kind of overall thoughts on what we've seen so far from the Mechanologist cards, both from the the previous season for Bright Lights, but also from um, around the table as well? Which my theory is that we'll see these cards in both in Bright Lights as yeah. well. Yeah, I I think we. Talking on round this table specifically, I can't see a lot of those cards being competitively viable at all. They all seem to be built around, oh, they're three costs and then you play them for free because there's three opponents and that's that's the whole thing. Um, and none of them really provide much value because you have to play an inherently worse weapon to get the value out of it. It's Teclo Pistol, but it costs three instead of one. Like, that's that's all the deck is. And then... Um, I can see the young professor being played over uh, young Teclovossen in Blitz just for the one resource reduction could be worth having over the um, playing Evos at instant speed. Um, but yeah, out, outside of that, the the cards we've seen released in, uh, what's it called? The the new decks, I forgot, Round, Round the Table. Round, Round the, the Table, table. yeah. 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 Um, I can't see them having much competitive impact. Um, having said the Guardian ones, the Civic Steps, mm, I mean, yeah. this getting off topic from Mech, but I can see it being played for sure, um, just blocking at a key moment where they can't really make use of the Quicken token. Um, pretty good. And then same with the Shield, just having that two block for Guardian. I mean, it's the same as the the old Buckler, the the other one, Steel, Steel Braid, but... It just looks cooler, so yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a flavor one. Also, there's bittering thorns, which is a card which I like, yeah, red bittering thorns, thorns is great. Yeah, forgot about that one. Um, and actually, um, Monday night just passed. We played a um, living legend format armory. Oh, cool. Um, and one of the decks that rocked up was Crouching Tiger Katsu, and the new the new boots just to get an extra Crouching Tiger put in a lot of work. So you've got the the Crouching Tiger boots, you've got the stubbies, you've got the Mask of the Pouncing Links and just mm. cre creating like a bunch of Tigers for three or four each with three of the Tiger Swipes in there as well. It was super scary. And I think it went like 3-1, like beating, beating a couple of Starvos and a chain or something. 
How, cool. how do you think the new Tekla Vossen deck will function? And, you know, if you can't get into the details, what sort of archetype do you think it will fill? Like, what direction do you think that hero is going at the moment? I I think it'll be similar to Vinset in that people will have two different, like, two very varying ideas on what the deck should look like, where one's, like, quite aggressive and one's quite controlling. Um, I feel like we'll see some that are just like, okay put on all the base plate equipment um we're probably gonna run foundry heart because that card's incredible and then just go boost boost foundry oh there's some evos in my banish uh we've foundried into four resources let's play an evo end my turn or something something like that and then another one would look like okay we're gonna maybe boost once each turn but we're going to run a bunch of D-Reacts to stay alive until we set up like the armor that we want. And then maybe you also involve the Construct Nitro Mechanoid in that. But again, I think I think that card, while being incredible, like I have a couple marvels of it, it looks so good, but I can't see it ever being more worthwhile than like the pistol mm. game plan in uh, Dash, I'm actually... which is unfortunate. I'm actually really interested about this. Uh, do you, because of how mechanologists are currently structured, are you a mechanologist specialist or are you a dash specialist? And are <laughs> you excited to potentially branch out to other heroes in that class with this new set? Because, you know, I mean, they could be miles different from how dash functions in place. For sure. What do, what do you what are you sort of anticipating? I mean, at this point, I can't say I'm anything other than just a dash specialist, right? Like we, we don't know enough about the card pool or even the heroes. Like there's one hero we don't even know what's going to be. Maybe even two, right? Um, so we can't even tell what what it's going to look like. But it's pretty certain they're still going to use boost cards because you need to get be able to get those evos in banish. You need to be able to boost for the boost hero. As for the item hero, can't say really. Um, but I do think that. At least at first glance, it looks like we're going to have a boost hero and you're just going to have the first game plan of Dash, which is just super aggressive, but it'll have something in there which gets more around the fatigue aspect that Mm -hmm. Dash has, which should mean that you'll be able to race some of the matchups and get through enough damage before you die um, because there's no... I mean, Bry's not going to be in, so there's going to be no Crown of Seeds, ultra-defensive builds like that. The closest you'll have is, like, Bravo. Um, so I can see an ultra-aggressive boost hero being built, and then similarly, an item hero is just, like, Control Dash, but you you just have a more item-based game plan, like, just more defensive, I guess. But again, this is all just conjecture. We don't know what those heroes do, and I'm so so keen to start working on those heroes um i kind of have a, a bit of a bit of a dream of bringing um bringing teclo Vossen to taipei like the weekend after the release um i can't see it being realized to be honest i i think i we'd have to work out something pretty nutty in that time to make it viable into the top decks of the format mm. but i'm gonna give it my best shot for sure and even if that means like switching to one of the other mechanologists that we'll soon see released, like I really want to bring some of those new cards to that 
And I mean, I'll, I'll probably find something that'll fit into the current dash build. Like that'll be fine. But I really want to see if I can work on something that will be able to be brought to that event and then also do well at that. Yeah, I may have heard a little whisper about um, one of the archetypes that might be coming in the next set, and it definitely is. Uh, it's definitely up my alley, if true. Probably mm. can't repeat <laughs> it here, but sounds like a deck that maybe Hayden will be playing here at the the Dallas Calling in October. <laughs> I I just think. Brennan sees one percent instant three resources and loses his mind. <laughs> I, I, I see that's true, three that's resources true. lose my mind. I see once per turn, and then I get depressed. It's sad. <laughs> true, yeah. true. It, that's interesting. Like I, I Dash has been or mechanologist. I will say it's been such an interesting class to me because when new cards have been released, like I have absolutely loved cards like like plasma barrel shot is like one of my favorite weapons in in the game of flesh and blood might not be the best mm. weapon but i love that weapon and have consistently tried to like do things with that weapon uh you know the the rifle that then came out i also found interest in the harvey blaster i found interesting as well uh, you know when when the mechanoid came out i was like oh come on surely we can make this work and we spent like weeks on it and then i just kind of was like Ugh. Just, yeah. just the, the standard dash, the standard hybrid dash plan is just better, and then just yeah. kind of walked away from it. So I'm really hoping with bright lights, there's a chance to revisit it. Um, it's funny. I was talking to Dan the other day, uh, my, my testing partner. He feels exactly the same. He's like, I just want to like see all these mech cards and just start building and finding out like what could be possible. Um, yeah, for sure. I I think the real like limiting factor on the mechanoid plan is just the fact that hyperdriver costs one. Like. If it was zero, it totally changes the game because you don't have to keep that extra card every time you have to play one. Like, it's it's pretty pretty straightforward in that. Like, if it if it was zero, I think that deck would be viable. If it was zero, I think that card would be busted in a boost aggro deck. <laughs> agree, agree. But I mean, is it though? It's just a Teclo core, but like one less resource. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. Teclocore is the most, I think, one of the most frustrating cards to play against out of dash. Yeah. Yeah. Spark into Teclocore is just fundamentally broken, I think. I don't know. What about double Spark into double, te- double Teclocore into Massive Oh, you've experienced that, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> this guy, this guy, Brendan, at Nationals goes uh, double Spark on the turn, plays double Teclocore, passes back to me. I have like the most trash hands you've ever seen. Can't punish this guy. And then he's just like... <laughs> High octane, 36 damage turn. I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> the, the funny part about that was I, I drew the second spark of the first one. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll play the other one. So funny you didn't tell me that at the time. That's hilarious. <laughs> You're like, I already feel bad for this guy. Yeah. Um, what, let's talk about some of these payoff cards, right? I'm interested to know what you think of cards like... I know it's hard to know, I guess, without kind of full context of the set. But do cards like Terminator Tank, you know, we talked about Nitro Mechanoid before. What about a card like Terminator Tank? Like, does that make you excited? Or are you like, I don't know if this is fundamentally what I want to be doing with Mechanologist? Yeah, I can't see it being incredible. Um, it, I mean, the thing about all the cards we've seen so far, um, just on a very basic standpoint, um, I, I have access to more poppers which is pretty good. I, I really like Ninjadromai. <laughs> I might need it. Um, and we've even got a yellow one, which I think I'm just slapping that in my deck. It doesn't matter what it does. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it seems like they're really building towards a, a slower play style, maybe like play one card each turn, or um, your turns are going to look like block, block, set up an Evo pass or something like that. Um, to really have a sort of slower game plan. And then once you set up your Evos, 
uh, play out these sort of payoff cards at the end. Um, again, still off just like two card hands and that sort of thing, like full lander sort of style plays at near the end of the game. And I mean, it's fine. I I can't see that appealing to me personally. But that being said, we just have no context at the moment. Like mm-hmm. it, yeah. it could be the most busted deck in existence. And then I'll be like, yippee, I can beat down some Lexis in type A and then I'll, I'll have some fun there. But we just don't know at this point. For those that I just quickly read out Terminator Tank, uh, people haven't seen this card already. It's uh, it's a six cost mechanologist action attack, tax for six, defense for three, uh, and it has if you have one or more evos equipped, this gets when this is a hero that is card a card. You have two or more, it costs three less to play. Three or more, it gets overpower, and four or more, it gets plus three power. So obviously, if you have full set of evos and you play this as your you know your kind of once your final finisher or some amongst those final finishers, you've got a three cost overpower and nine attack. My favorite thing about this card though is the border. Uh, just by the way, I love mm. the the new border for for the mech. Um, which yeah. do you? I mean, you're a mech person, you're a mech player. So, do, what's the what's the background behind these new borders? Do you know? Do you have any idea what the kind of background? Yeah, is to the well, new it's. I mean, you have the the evos have a separate one mm-hmm. to the like evo payoff cards. Um, like the evo ones have a, I don't know, like that sort of bluish sort of fluid looking thing with um the the thing that appeals to me the most actually is like the the pitch on the card it's like green um for the the evo payoff cards and then black for the actual evos whereas behind every other card it's it's different um like meganetic protocol for example and the other protocols you've got the green behind it and just the different border um and i think it just refers to like what sort of role that card is going to play in the deck. Um, And I'm really looking forward to seeing if they have any other borders, for example, um, and just being able to sort of class these different cards by those. And I I think it'll help like like a, a new draft player, for example, you can just say, oh, if you want to build this hero, you want to go for these borders. And that's like, that's going to be really helpful in deciding like the draft archetypes for the set. Um, and making sure it's easy to understand what goes into what, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did wonder if it was signposting. I was wondering if that yeah. was potentially why they'd why they'd done this. But, it, quick- yeah, it's signposting and just cool aesthetic at the same time. And it's very cool. I mean, Ellis has nailed that like every time they do something. And yeah, can't give them enough credit for it. I want to ask a quick question before, while we're talking about these cards. So we've seen so far, we've seen the Teclo base equipment. These are the blade break ones that are the the, the mechanologist um, base heads for our base, whatever. And then you've got mm-hmm. the proto base, which is like the zero block. I have a question for you, right? Uh, on first glance, you're like, oh, you know, this one has blade break, has one's offend if you need to use it, it's better. Is actually potentially the proto, uh, so the non-block mm. equipment's better because they can't get hit by things like Tomaltai. They can't be, uh, you know, T-boned, for example, to ruin your Evo game plan yeah i mean against a mirror i can see the 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 proto base versions being better just because t-bone would become such a high priority in that matchup just because of that and then you just kill their whole thing and they have no game plan anymore um into everything else like including dromai like if they're tomal tying like a base equipment like we're not we're not unhappy with that like they're gonna they're gonna kill something right 
so it's it's whatever like i know they can't destroy the the ones that don't have a block value but if if they're going for a base equipment in instead of something else like you're 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 probably going to have an evo or like your foundry heart i i genuinely can't see foundry heart not being played played. yeah me um but yeah if they're going for that instead of something else they're probably losing but yeah it it is strange that um the only thing where i think it's going to be relevant is a mirror or maybe even just playing against a dash depends depends if t-bone meganetic combo is built into gonna be built into the the new heroes but i mean i feel like you're just gonna have to play the the blade break versions because you're not gonna see an evo of every slot i don't think and then you're gonna want that extra one life at the end but Mm. you never know sam what are your thoughts on the design decision to make an entirely mechanologist set do you think that it is a risky choice that potentially misses out on attracting players that are maybe more attached to or empathize with other classes uh for sure there's there's a level of risk involved there um that being said i feel like it was inevitable that there were I mean, they're always going to want to try out different things. Um, we've seen it in Outsiders where they were like, yeah, let's just put in six heroes instead of three or four. Mm-hmm. And it turned out pretty well, I think. So I, I'm i excited for it. Like, even if I wasn't a mechanologist like fan, I would actively be very interested in, say, an all, in an all-ninja set or an all-assassin set or something like that because of just how... It's interesting to see what the draft dynamic is going to look like because Mm -hmm. of that set. Um, And I'm honestly super excited for it because, I mean, so far, all the Mechanologist cards block for three or block for zero. Um, There's some new Evos which block for two now. Um, But it's it's going to be interesting to see if they want to change that sort of that notion that we've already had built into our class. And if they change that purely for the draft format because a draft format where every card is playable and every card blocks three has Mm. to be a pretty high power format and the way they they make that format playable um and especially a format with the boost keyword like fatigue is going to be even more of a relevant factor in a set like this and giving every class the ability to block three with every card like it means that there's going to have to be some way to push through that damage. Um, and so I think the the draft format is going to be very skill intensive because you need to be able to have that uh, way to push through damage in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see the draft format as well. I know, you know, some people do have... People that do take issue with uh, Flesh and Blood's current draft formats uh, will often critique the class-oriented design as being a bit too on rails and not forgiving enough to... You know, switch into, um, you know, potentially pivot based off signals, etc. And this is a set where you will likely have the most agency to sort of draft your yeah, deck for sure. as you progress. I do, mm. I do also wonder about fatigue. <laughs> I do wonder mm. about fatigue, but I do. They they must have kept that in mind, right? Because we've come off of multiple yeah, totally. formats where you know playing more than thirty cards in your deck has been correct, and you know it's you know in retrospect looking back that is 
probably been a crack for a lot of formats. And yeah, I mean, in this one, it might be, it, it, it's definitely a opposing risk that we can kind of yeah. see on the horizon. If, if they haven't looked at it, there's, there's, there's bigger concerns, I think. <laughs> yeah. Than just it being a mix hit. Um, all right, Sam, I want to like kind of close out with some, some, I guess, like quick fire questions and some things that maybe you can impart some, some of your vast mechanologist and dash knowledge to our listeners. So my first question for you is why is mech a class people should play? Just kind of, you know, maybe 15, 30 second kind of sell it to people on why, why mech's a class they should play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a few reasons. I mean, I mentioned them at the start. It's flexible. You have the two game plans and it's simple. You have, if you're playing aggressively, the the cards just do what they say they do. Like zero to 60, cost zero, attacks for four, go again. Um, the the other thing is that your your base boost cards, zero to 60, zipper and throttle, um, they, they are just above rate because they have go again. Um, Essentially, how I tend to rate mechanologist cards is I I increase their cost by one and then increase their attack by two because if you're playing out a turn and it looks like throttle into pistol, you're going to pitch a card for the throttle um, and you're going to spend your action point on a pistol. And the pistol is like really good value because, I mean, one for two on a weapon is like really good. And you there's a reason that cards like high octane are good in the deck it's because you get to use that value again and again over the course of a turn um so really being able to understand where to spend that action point either on a spark of genius or an item or that pistol shot at the end of turn um is one of the things that makes dash good and one of the things that makes dash deceptively difficult to play um, because if you don't end up shooting that pistol at the end of the turn and you just leave the turn with an action point or an unboosted attack at the end of a chain, like you've kind of just lost two points of value there. Um, so just having that at the end of the turn and having the above rate attacks that have go again um, is a reason to play dash. The other thing is the payoff cards for dash specifically, such as high octane and maximum velocity. Um, they're just great cards to play. Um, and I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, you you shouldn't be putting Velocity in Arsenal if you don't have Crown of Providence. And I'm just like, nah, slap that shit in there. It's fine. It's fine. You're, you're going to get it off. It's fine. And like 90% of games, I put it in Arsenal. It's I play it. Like you, I mean, you should have a good idea of it um, and when it will be playable. And if you're putting it in there at like two life, you're obviously not going to play it. But it is a good card and crown of providence just makes it an even better card so i reckon if you're not playing three off you're playing it wrong to be honest dude i i got i got griefed when i like first did a deck tech for for dash when so i considered playing dash for pt1 i put a lot of time yeah. into that that deck i played so much of it and people were like can't believe you play maximum velocity the card's unplayable it's trash and all this it was just oh man yeah it's crazy and I mean, like, I was playing um, against a local, Matt Clark, um, and he's on Bolton, and he's playing the, um, like, new new Bolton, Raiden, all the new Quicken um, charge cards, etc. Um, and he's feeling pretty confident into the matchup, because he should be, because most of my cards are attacks that buff his stuff. And my deck, I am very happy to block a lot of the time, because they all block for three. So when I draw a bad hand, I just have to block with it. Um, and he's 
he's feeling pretty confident and I put a card into Arsenal and he doesn't know it, but it's velocity. And I play out an octane turn. I'm like, cool, I've got the resources. I've got my core. I, I'm going to play it. Um, and I go to like two or something and then do like high octane, boost, 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 pistol, pistol. I've got one floating. I've got one action point left. And he's feeling happy because he's at like <laughs> six or something. And I just foundry velocity. And he's like, nah, no way you put that in Arsenal. And he, yeah, it's it's just like game winning. Like you, you have to play the card. Like card's good. Play the card. I don't know. Two, two card ten. Two card ten, yeah. man. It's it's pretty hard to pass up. Um yeah, speaking for of sure. speaking of griefing yourself and playing Bolton at Nationals for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for for new for new players who are approaching Mech for the first time potentially in anticipation of bright lights, what are kind of some tips you might give them for, you know, where to start, things to focus on when it comes to playing mechanologists for the first time, or maybe pitfalls to avoid for, for new mech players? Yeah, I mean, first off, you just want to play the aggressive side well. Um, and I mean, that simply just involves ensuring that you get that pistol shot at the end of turn. Um, outside of that, it also means you want to work out how you're going to get the maximum value out of your hand. And often that's difficult to do depending on what what cards you have in your hand for example um and a lot of the time you should be blocking with one or two cards each turn um and i have ninja players they're like oh why are you blocking like you can play your whole hand and i'm like well yeah but this card attacks for three it blocks for three but if i need that extra resource i'm gonna have to foundry so i'm taking three cards out of my deck to have a net total of zero damage dealt to the opponent like you, you shouldn't be taking that trade unless it's going to present lethal damage and you've got plenty of deck left. Um, so that's a, one thing that people kind of miss out on sometimes and don't realize. Um, the other thing is then you're going to have to work out how the control package plays. And it's very different. It's, it's very reactive in that you need to have a good idea of what your opponent's doing. Um, especially the case into Dorinthia, you need to have a really good idea of what your reactions are going to look like, have a good idea of what their threat density is throughout the game. Um, but yeah, just working out how to use your reactions most effectively in those control matchups is, I would say, a big learning curve. Um, and one of my sort of level ups as a Dash player was coming to the realization that if you're stopping a dominated attack with an unmovable from Arsenal, but the dominated attack doesn't have any on hit. Depending on how many D-Reacts are left in your deck, it's often correct to just take the hit and then do what you can with the rest of your hand, which sounds counterintuitive, but say you, you play out the react and stop the damage and then next turn you hit by a dominated crippling crush. It's just like, well, you just got owned by your own mistake. Um, and learning to have that patience is just a huge level up sometimes into those matchups. Um, and then once you've achieved both of those, you then need to start going into the mind games of Dash and working out, okay, um, start the game, boost my first attack. Oh, they blocked with two cards. What does that mean? Does it mean their hand's bad or does it mean that they just want to block me for the whole game? Uh, boost a little bit more. Okay, they block with a card on my zipper hit, take one because it's yellow. Uh, pistol at the end of turn and arsenal they blocked the pistol with that that fourth card in their hand okay why did they do that look at their hand oh they've got four blues okay we have to assume 
for the moment that they are just they just drew a bad hand and decided to block with it um and then next turn you're like oh they're still blocking okay i think they are trying to fatigue me and then play around that mm-hmm. whereas sometimes you'll you look at the hand and they're like oh this is an incredible surgeon strike whelming gusway bonds turn why didn't they just play it and then you realize they've equipped tunic and have had this card in arsenal for the whole game to save for your maximum velocity and it's a sink below or something like that and at that point you have to realize okay they're trying to fatigue me what can i do to get around that and i think that is easily the most difficult part of dash and playing dash involves understanding that and working out how you can get around that and get through enough damage over the course of the game to um kill them essentially mm-hmm. and usually that involves getting a chamber out onto the field because in most matchups i don't play a chamber or at least start with chamber on the field so that kind of means that in a lot of matchups i have to hedge by putting a chamber inside the deck so a red non-block card inside the deck feels pretty bad but it's something you just have to do into some matchups that could potentially fatigue you and then aim to play that out and also you want to resolve as many of the velocities in your deck as you can and if you resolve two velocities you should be able to finish them off which it sounds difficult but it's it's i don't know it's just not i think just don't boost them yeah it's that easy yeah (laughs) cool well uh brendan i guess any last questions for for sam before we kind of kind of wrap up this this bright lights mechanologist pod I mean, I think it's a good it's a good pitch for for playing Dash. I mean, I am just eternally fascinated with the performance of specialists in Flesh and Blood, um, despite mm. with how uh, just despite how loud the talk in regards to the meta can be. Right, it sort of drowns out everything else. As these are the decks, this is the best deck, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we see time and time again, especially in the recent history of Flesh and Blood, where specialists have taken their decks um, to great success, you know, winning major events. And I think that's just a testament to the balance of the game right now and just how healthy it is. So, yeah, I, honestly, no more questions from me, but I think that it's, it was a great explanation <laughs> on one of the heroes that is definitely, you know, it's, it's evasive for me. It's, a, it's not a hero that I've put much time into or considered since crucible of war but it has been consistently racking up um win after win i mean you talked about bringing it to pt1 hayden can't say i took that the <laughs> can't say that i took the suggestion too seriously at the time um and you know luke badger as well a good friend in the house at pt1 also brought brought dash i think that you know dash is one of those decks where you've shown sam that um mastery and sort of dedication to your craft really can pay off and um seems like a deck where the input to output ratio is very rewarding yeah, for sure. Um, coming back to that PT1 point, like, thinking about it, how how in the hell does Dash beat Starvo? Like, at all? There you go. Great, great, great question. <laughs> great question. The, the chain matchup was, like, kind of fine. But honestly, yeah. like, the, the Starvo matchup, it really depended on how they played. So, like, there was, like, a game plan where you could block out the first three turns and then set up pounders and then just, like, go ham from there and hope they didn't line up, like, constant on heads against you but like i think the, the craziest thing like brendan you just said the kind of like recently specialists have been rewarded and i think it's because the power level of the best decks are just closer to the median yeah. than they ever have been before like previously a deck like 
Chain at its peak, a deck like Starvo mm-hmm. at its peak, like these br- Lightning Briar, for instance, like these heroes were so far and above the median of like where decks deck set that it's like specialists. Honestly, were kind of at like an unfair advantage. I think like being a specialist in this game has been more and more rewarding as we've gone through sets, as like the powerful heroes of Living Legend, as like uh, card pools have opened up, as the meta has opened up. So yeah, I mean, particularly. That matchup was pretty tough, Sam. But <laughs> yeah. I, I think a, you know, a hero like Dash, for instance, just gets rewarded by kind of what's happening to the game of Flesh and Blood. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having played against a fair bit of Oldim in my time, like you, you mathematically can just lose the game if you don't set up three purifiers and two chambers because they just will block you out every turn and you just cannot deal enough damage through it. And when they also have the most aggressive side a Guardian has ever seen as well, like, it just seems like you have zero chance against it unless they just don't play well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's been tough. Yeah. Well, I, saw, I also want to hear, I think that the chain matchup wasn't fantastic as well. So I think, like, Starvo might have been hard, but chain also, like, back then... I feel like Chain could still kind of, you know, could still kind of roll you. The stacks were definitely hard to beat. It seemed like it was pretty hostile back in the day. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think like no one really knew how to play against like the list we had for Dash at the time because no That's one really true. had Dash on their radar. So it was yeah. like. And the, the chain lists were not nearly as powerful as the previous chain lists in terms of beating fatigue. You know, they were, they were really only trying to be prison fatigue, which is. Yeah, so it wasn't that great. You know, present a lot of no-block cards and stuff, so uh, you're, you're yeah, probably right. Yeah. You're probably right. It was interesting, at least. I don't know. <laughs> In the end, didn't play it. So. <laughs> um, Sam, I want to say a massive thank you for, for coming on the pod, for joining us. Uh, I know you're you're going to be traveling you're gonna to Worlds in Taipei, is that right? Yeah, uh, Worlds Taipei. I'm in Melbourne, so I'll be at the Calling Melbourne as well. Calling. And if people want to find you, they can follow uh, your 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 team, your group from Melbourne at the Action Point. Is that right on on Twitter or yeah. X? Yeah. So we're at the Action Point on Twitter slash X, um, and then we're also the Action Point on YouTube. Um, it's just the the team of me and two of my mates. Um, honestly, we're we're all like ultra busy uni students who also have part time jobs, so it's super hard to find time to get stuff up there. But yeah, we're, we're aiming to increase the, the amount of stuff we're doing on there and really just sort of bring to light what what's we're sort of doing with Flesh and Blood in Melbourne. So yeah, feel free to follow us over there. Oh, awesome. All right, Sam. Yeah, Sam. And if you want to find... Oh, sorry. You, no, Brendan, I almost oh, took your role. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, you no. Gotta, you go. <laughs> hold my hold <laughs> on by a thread over here. Um, yeah. There's a video version of this on YouTube at youtube.com slash Arsenal Pass. Speaking of X, I'm at Brendan APG. Hayden's at Fian underscore Dale. Sam is once again at the the action point. Um, you can follow us on there. If you wanna if you wanna help with the podcast, you're a fan of the podcast, you enjoyed this episode. The number one thing you can do is leave us a review. You can do that. On Apple Podcasts um, or Apple Podcasts. Sorry, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Got that mixed up. And of course, big shout out to all the Arsenal Pass patrons, new and old. Um, you help us do what we do. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you later.